everybody, and welcome to yet another edition of the Time Out with DG podcast. I am your host, as always, Daniel Gotera. Thanks for stopping by. We talk about the recruiting scene a little bit here in the state of Texas. My guest for this podcast is the Athletics' own Sam Kahn Jr. He's been working the football scene in Texas for a very, very long time. Started with high school. That's where I initially met him. And then he went on to college. He is one of the best football writers in the state. If you haven't checked out his work, I very much recommend it. I have him on the show today to talk about the recruiting scene. We had signing day this past week, and it was a crazy time. A lot of schools making their bids to get the best athletes in the state to come to their school. It's always kind of crazy for me, by the way. Every time I I look at signing day and how it's progressed over the years. I mean, not only do we have these guys sitting in front of tables, picking hats and the whole thing, but I, it's just crazy the pressure that some of these guys are on to make a life-changing decision so quickly, especially now in the early signing period that has been established. I know some high school coaches are against that, uh, but I, I, I just think it's a lot of pressure on these guys because they have to make this decision. It could impact the rest of their lives. Yeah, I know that there are transfer portals and the opportunity to go from school to school. I get all that, but it's still a big-time decision. Anyway, before we get into that interview and a little bit more, go ahead and like and subscribe to the podcast. If you haven't done so already, I don't know what you've been waiting for. Hey, the last time we did a show, we were actually live. Uh, which was actually pretty cool. I'm still trying to work out the kinks of that. I think the folks here at the station are going to try to help me um, get that StreamYard application that I used last time to go live up and running because I think that would be really cool. My colleague Jason Bristol on his Extra Bases podcast with Jeremy Booth, he did one as well. And if we can put our branding on that, go live on Facebook, Twitter, different platforms, YouTube, Boy, we can really grow the audience here a little bit. I really appreciate all of you guys that have been there since the very beginning, which is awesome. Um, but, I, hey, we, we can always use more people in the group, and that's what we want to do here with uh, Time Out with DG. And, uh, yeah, hey, Christmas right around the corner. I've got some days coming up uh, that I have to take. So from the 19th to the 24th, I'm, I'm going to be off. But luckily for me, I've finished up all my Christmas shopping. Thank goodness. Got the wife taken care of. Um, and yeah, I am, uh, I am ready to go. The parents taken care of our kids. They mailed their, uh, their letter to Santa. They're all excited about that. So, uh, we're, we're fired up for uh, Christmas at the Goterra house. First one in our new house. So we're, we're excited about that too. So I hope you guys have a very Merry Christmas. I'm not sure I'm going to talk to you guys before then. Maybe I can get one out, uh, before Christmas. I'm not sure if the schedule kind of allows it. Got a couple of things to get done here at the house and some appointments I need to get done before the year is over. But uh, if I don't talk to you, I hope you guys have a Merry Christmas. But without further ado, let's dive into uh, the topic of the day, a recap of signing day here in the state of Texas. But not only signing day, Sam and I talk about the implications that NIL is having, not just on new recruits, but guys that are already at the school, the transfer portal opening up. We've, we've seen a lot of changes. Sam referred to it as the wild, wild west right now. And I know some coaches in college are not really happy with what's going on, namely Dabo Sweeney out in Clemson. Some guys don't mind it. That's just the way the game is now. I think these guys, these players, deserve an opportunity to go where they want to go. However, it does open up some real-world situations that they may not have thought about before going into college, 
And now they have to deal with contracts and and money, managing money, uh, playing time, all this stuff that has to go into what professionals have to do. This is pretty much the minor leagues of the NFL now. It's starting to be that way. And as Sam touched on, it's really at fault for the in- Who's at fault for the chaos right now is the NCAA. They could have really come out in front of this and really made sense of it all, but they didn't because the NCAA is a disaster. Like most of these uh, sports leagues and uh, governing bodies of leagues that we've seen over the years and recently with all the COVID stuff that's happening in the NBA, the NHL, the NFL, I just don't think these leagues really have any idea of how to handle that whole COVID thing. But just the governing bodies overall – have a tough time kind of sifting through some of these things sometimes. So without further ado, here is Sam Kahn Jr. of The Athletic to talk about this week's signing day for Texas schools, who he thought was the winner, who he thought surprised him the most. We talk about U of H as well, and we also get into that whole transfer portal NIL thing. So here's Sam. Enjoy. All right, Sam, always great to talk to you. Uh, what was your initial thoughts uh, this week on the uh, Texas college football recruiting scene? It was an eventful week, obviously, a lot going on. I think Sunday, you kind of got it started when Quinn Ewers announced he was transferring to Texas. But the, the credit really here goes to Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher. They've done a tremendous job of recruiting the number one class in the country, obviously the, the best in Texas A&M history. Uh, it has the chance to be the best in, in the modern college football era, uh, which is pretty impressive, uh, the amount of five-star prospects they got, the number of top 100 prospects they got. Uh, I've really been impressed with the way they closed the class and and just uh, I, I was just overall impressed with how they finished uh, Joey McGuire, Texas Tech. I thought it did a really good job in a short amount of time uh, getting job six weeks ago and closing on a strong class. So um, really interesting time, certainly, but uh, but lots going on on the recruiting scene and signing day is kind of really unlike I think it's ever been. Yeah, let's start with Texas A&M. We'll get to Texas in a second. But with the Aggies, is that just a product of a commitment that Jimbo made um, right from the very beginning to to really recruit the Houston area? A lot of these kids, I mean, the products and the talent that he's getting out of Houston, it would make sense that they stay local. But, man, he's he's really delivering on that. Yeah, that's that's really where this 2021 class started. And, and honestly, Jimbo has done a good job of the last three years of dominating the Houston area. They've Back, I think back to the 2019 class when they had Kenyon Green, uh, who was the, the top prospect in the area at the time, one of the best prospects in the country. Uh, ever, really, ever since that group, he's done a really good job of mining the Houston area. And this 2021 class, six of the first seven commitments were from the Houston area, and that's what started. And then after that, he started going out a little bit more national and being able to land guys from all over the country. But that's been the home base for them. That's what they want to be their backyard. That's what they want to be uh, something that they own. And they've done a really good job of it. Obviously, Connor Wegman, you get the two guys from Katie, you get the two guys from Dickinson, uh, Noah Thomas, you've got a ton of really talented players from the Houston area. And I think Jimbo and, and company are going to continue to try to mine that for talent. Over in Austin, uh, the season obviously did not go as planned, but I guess they can consider this a win the way they closed because they closed pretty well, too. You mentioned uh, Ewers going from Ohio State to Texas. Kelvin Banks from Summer Creek, that was a big get for them, too. Uh, How do you assess what Steve Sarkeesian did over there on the 40 acres? That was really impressive the way they finished. You know, they flipped Terrence Brooks, uh, a half state commit. They had three flips on signing day which is pretty impressive. They almost pull off in the, a couple more, but, uh, you know, they had Xavier Bryce, who was committed to Oklahoma, Ethan Burke, who's committed to Michigan. 
it was really impressive the way they closed. And, and this was coming after a season where they didn't do well. They were five and seven. They lost three commitments at the end of November, uh, three and three days, actually. So they were losing some momentum on the trail. But being able to get Quinn, being able to get Kelvin Banks, Cam Williams, the tackle from Duncanville, that really kind of re got them some juice going into signing day and, and to be able to finish strong the way they did, considering how bad things went for them on the field, is a really, really good sign for them for, in terms of their future prospects. As you talk to these college coaches, what do you think? We, we, we've mentioned this word close, right? Closing, closing is so important. As you talk to these college coaches, what is the key you think for them to close successfully? Because in this day and age, I mean, there are so many factors that go into recruiting. I mean, closing a, a, a recruit is, is pretty tough, man. Yeah, I think it comes down to stability and trust. And relationships is really where it is. It's because the prospects and the parents and the people around the prospect, they want to know that they can trust the coach that's recruited, that whether it's the position coach, the, the coordinator, or the head coach. And that was one thing. You know, I talked to Cam Dewberry, who, who signed with A&M, and he told, he told me, his dad told me, that when Lincoln Riley left for Oklahoma, left Oklahoma for USC, that really – was a surprise to them as it was to everybody else around the country. And Oklahoma was a school that Cam was really seriously thinking about. So when that happened, Cam had to reassess, okay, Lincoln Riley left. I had no idea it was going to go. Didn't think that was going to happen. Now what do I do? So they, he came down to Texas and sex A&M. A&M had a little bit of a head start on Cam because Jimbo Fisher and that staff has been there for three, four years. Steve Sarkeesian and his staff have only been there for 11 months. The previous staff apparently didn't recruit Cam as hard. And so while Sarkeesian and Jeff Banks, Kyle Flood did a great job of recruiting Cam, they only had 11 months to, to form that relationship and to build it. Whereas Jimbo Fisher and Josh Henson and his staff had three years to do it. And ultimately that became the deciding factor because that's where he felt most comfortable. He goes, that's stability right there. And I think being able to build that trust to be able to say, hey, this is what we're offering you. Because there's going to be tons of coaches coming at you at the end. But it comes down to, does the kid trust me? Can can I, and am I, if I'm the kid, can I trust the coach? Do I believe what he's saying? Is the message still the same that it's been from day one? And how consistent have they been? I think that's really the key. Relationships, relationships, relationships is always the big thing. Um, we talked about Texas and A&M, and, and A obviously the, the two big, stars in the state but what what other team you also mentioned texas tech what other teams surprised you by what they were able to do do you think u of h for one kind of capitalized on their season being so successful and what holgerson which what we thought at the beginning was going to be a little rocky this year it ended up being kind of a nice uh, nice little campaign for them all the way through yeah no doubt and, and i think you're going to see that you saw i think at the end of this class for houston and, and you're going to see it, I think, in the 2023 class. They're going to be able to build and recruit off of this 11-2 and two season. Uh, the way they close, Demetrius Hunter, the center, center from West Orange Stark, they call him Pancake. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's a good nickname for, for an offensive lineman. Uh, you've got uh, Matthew Golden from Klein Kane. Uh, I mean, he could have gone just about anywhere. So I think that that was a huge pickup for them and to be able to get those level that's the level of prospect they need when they go into the big 12 which they'll probably do in 2023 so it's going to be imperative and then the other the other big recruiting win for houston was being able to keep doug belt you know he got he got a new contract and he's a guy that's going to get looks from other big schools whether it's as a defense coordinator at a big time school or maybe a potential head coaching gig they want to try to keep him going into the big 12 if they can so i think that was a win but i thought they finished strong Baylor, I thought, had a nice finish. They were able to get Armani Winfield. 
uh, the receiver from Louisville who was committed to Texas. Uh, Justin Johnson, the uh, running backs coach there, a former U of H player, was, was key in closing that recruitment. And like I said, McGuire at Texas Tech, I thought did a really, really good job uh, just getting that class together. They, he was able to get nine commits in the six weeks that he was on the job. And they're also able to get three transfers. And they also got already five commits in 2023. So McGuire's been hustling ever since he got that job on November 8th. And it's really impressive because transition classes, when you get a job, are the hardest ones to be successful in. How do you assess the overall landscape of college football right now? We, uh, we saw the top recruit in the country pick Jackson State. Now, do I think that's going to be a long-term stay? No, I don't think so. I think he's going to end up transferring. Whether he follows Dion somewhere, I'm not sure. Uh, but that's another conversation. But there's a lot of money surrounding him, and there's a lot of money surrounding a lot of these other guys. Like, this is an interesting time for college football, and I, I don't know if they have to kind of tiptoe along these new lines. Well, how do you assess this, this new state of college football that we're entering? A little, it's a little bit like the Wild West right now. It, it's kind of anything goes. And so the, the guidelines from the NCAA are so loose right now that it's kind of hard to know what's fair game and what's not. So I, certainly I think when you look at the competitive landscape that is recruiting, guys are going to push the envelope and they're going to do what they can. Certainly you, we saw what Texas did with its NIL announcements. It's alumni doing the Horns with Heart program where every offensive lineman gets $50,000 starting next year. The, the Clarkville Collective, which has 10 million uh, funds to start. Uh, th th you're gonna see that stuff popping up, SMU's in it now, TCU's in it now. Texas A&M has been, had their players get some really good NIL deals during the, the first year this has been in existence. This is just part of the landscape now. So will they be able to modify and tweak it over time? Perhaps, but it's gonna require some leadership. And I don't know that I can count on NCAA for that because they haven't done a good job of that over time. And I think the thing that's frustrating is, is that I think we all knew we were heading this way. The NCAA had chances to get out in front of it, but they chose to kick the can down the road until the hand was forced. And I think that is the thing that's frustrating for coaches and administrators is that they could have, something could have been done and you could have had a plan and had some guidelines going in, but instead they waited until some state laws forced their hand. And now we're in this situation where it's kind of anything goes. And finally, one of the things, the last things I want to ask you, because I thought about it the other day, I thought it was kind of interesting. You mentioned UT, the, the lineman getting, the $50,000 as part of that program. Do you think contracts are going to start being involved here? Because some of these big money, we see the transfer portal, a guy can go to a school and he's gone the next year. But if, if contracts are involved, I mean, we're talking real world stuff now. I mean, this isn't, this, this is kind of like the minor leagues of the NFL. It could be heading that way. But I thought the, the interesting question about whether these guys are going to have to start signing contracts uh, non-committals, commit, I mean, all that stuff that goes into, you know, normal everyday things that we have to go through as part of our jobs. I thought that'd be kind of interesting for college athletes to deal with too. Yeah. And honestly, it already is because when, when you sign, when Quinn Ewers went to Iowa state, he signed a contract with the kombucha company that, that he's promoting. And so that's already a thing the, the difference here is, is, and the one thing the NCAA has been explicit about is it cannot be pay for play. There always has to be a service provided and you cannot tie the contract to the player's participation at the school or to a specific school. You can't say, well, he has to be at Ohio state or he has to be at Texas. You can't do that. That that's against the guy, the, the loose guidelines that they have. Those are two pretty solid ones that are there. So, so as long as they keep those in place, then I think we'll be okay in that regard because that is a little tricky, but it's already part of it because when you, when you do these NIL deals, you're going to have to sign something because it's an, it's an employment agreement essentially is what it is and because you're getting paid for something that you provide. 
some kind of service you provide. So it's already in it. I do think in some ways it's a really good practice and it's a really good learning tool for these guys because this is probably a real world education that you're not gonna have gotten otherwise. You're gonna learn how to strategically choose who do you work with? What brands do you trust to put your, put your name on? Those are things, you know, make sure you're not taken advantage of by some of these companies who maybe want you to sign your whole life away to do one social media post so they can pay you 50 bucks. Like those are all things that I think are good to learn for these kids. And certainly it's going to be unfortunate if some kids get caught up in it, but at the same time, I think it's good for them to have it because if you are going to go pro, you're going to have to deal with this stuff anyway, when you get to the next level. So I think, I think there are some benefits to it. And the other thing is lastly is like with the horns with heart program and, and some of the others, I have seen some good uses of NIL in terms of like charitable uses. You know, I've seen players use it for charities. I've seen players share stuff with their teammates and things like that. And I think those are all good things that have come out of this too. Sam Khan covering the wild, wild west for uh, the <laughs> athletic. Uh, you're one of the best, man. I appreciate the time. As always. No problem. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much, Sam. I appreciate you always for joining us. We've had him on before. And that's why I love having him on because he's one of the smartest guys in the business when it comes to recruiting and college football here in the state of Texas. That's going to do it for Time Out with DG, episode 82 in the books. As I said off the top, if I don't talk to you uh, before Christmas, I hope you guys have a very Merry Christmas and uh, enjoy it. Just count our blessings. Man, this is a crazy world that we live in. There's a lot of stuff going on, and it seems like there's new news every day with COVID, Omicron variant, all this mess. It just keeps going on and on and on, but just take a moment this this holiday, spend it with with friends and family, and just really enjoy it, and um, just take some time to really count our blessings, man. This is, this is a fun, uh, this is a fun time, especially in the sports world, um, but just you know what? Just just enjoy family time. It gets crazy out there in the real world. Just have those moments and really cherish them. And that's what the Christmas holiday is all about. So Merry Christmas, everybody. Hope you guys have a good one. I will talk to you on the other side of this uh, Christmas break. Until then, see you later.